as we have been doing all Lenten season, we have another parable from Matthew's gospel. Listen now to the 25th chapter of Matthew, verses 1 through 13. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like this. Ten bridesmaids took their lamps and they went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five of them were wise. When the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flask of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, all of them became drowsy and slept. But at midnight, there was a shout, Look, here is the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Then all those bridesmaids got up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise replied, No, there will not be enough for you and for us. You had better go to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. And while they went to buy it, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went with him into the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later the other bridesmaids came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he replied, Truly I tell you, I do not know you. Keep awake, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? It is our prayer this day, Lord God, that your Holy Spirit would speak. That you would speak in the words of the sermon, that you would whisper into our ears and into our hearts, that we would hear your words of light and love this day. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I have a terrible habit of blurting out whatever I'm thinking. It especially happens when I'm surprised. And when it was my first year of seminary, I remember sitting with a worship professor and two other students, and I don't remember what we were discussing. But what I remember is that my worship professor said, well, remember, we believe that Jesus Christ came to save the world that he died and was resurrected. But we also believe that Jesus will come again in the second coming to set the world right. And I blurted out, really? <laughs> we believe that? I think part of the problem is that I had attended a mainline denomination like this. There wasn't any talk about the second coming in that church now, every week we prayed the Lord's Prayer together, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, but I'd never heard it explicitly discussed, or more likely it had been and I didn't hear. I think it was also around the time that you had all those scary books coming out, like the Left Behind series that described what the second coming was going to be again, and frankly, they sounded terrifying. But more importantly, they didn't sound at all like the person of Jesus Christ that I had come to know, to love, and to trust. And so I was a little shocked to hear this. Now, if I had read my Bible, maybe I wouldn't have been as shocked because the biblical witness takes seriously that we believe Jesus will come again into the world 
and that God will redeem all of the pain and suffering of the world. This is very good news. It is our hope. And that's what this passage, this parable from Matthew's gospel is about. Now, parables are never something that are going to answer all your questions about a subject. But maybe it would help if I gave you a little context about first century weddings. The way a wedding worked when Matthew was writing was that the groom would take the bride-to-be and they would go to her father's house to negotiate the dowry, the contract of the wedding. While they were there, the entire wedding party would assemble at the groom's house and they would be waiting for him to return because once the contract, the dowry was done, they would come back and the wedding festivities would begin. Now, as you might imagine... Some discussion of dowry took very little time, but some took days. And for whatever reason, we have a bridegroom and a father of a bride who are in negotiation for several days, so much so that the wedding party takes a nap. And they all go to sleep. And when they wake up, they can see that the bridegroom is coming and it's night. And they want to make sure that the lamps are lit. And there is a great reception for the bridegroom and the bride. And we find that five of the bridesmaids don't have enough oil. And they have to run off and buy some. And they miss the wedding banquet. And so this passage says, keep awake. Keep awake, which really means keep your hope. Never lose hope that Jesus Christ will come again to redeem the world in a more fuller way than we can ever imagine. The problem with this doctrine of the second coming, or the fancy word is eschatology, is that it is something that we can never describe with words. It's something so other than the world that we experience now. Can you imagine a world where there is no more sin and grief and despair and suffering, because I cannot, I can barely see it, let alone describe it in words. That's why often people have relied on the apocalyptic language from Revelation. But we are promised that who will come is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And that's why this is good news, because we know that Jesus Christ came to save the world, not to condemn. And so we have hope in the second coming because we know the character of Jesus Christ. And he is one who comes to offer grace and forgiveness and love. We trust in that person come again to make the world right. Now, maybe one of the reasons I'd never heard of the second coming is because at different times in church history, it's been treated in different ways. And I'm going to give you the shortest synopsis of church history you've ever heard, okay? We're going to get two things. One is that before the year 400 AD, talk of the second coming was very much used, Because the new church was persecuted and they were suffering 
And they had to believe that this was not all that there was. They looked at the words of scripture and they believed the gospel writers when they said Jesus Christ would come again and they had hope and they didn't lose hope. They got up every day to live out their identity as Christians because they still had hope in Jesus Christ and all that that might mean. But then in the year 400 AD, thereabouts, Emperor Constantine came along. And Constantine was the emperor who was also a Christian. And suddenly Christianity became the dominant language of the empire. Well, there's no need to worry about what might come or a second coming if you can trust in the empire. Yes, you should trust in Constantine. You should trust in Christianity as the religion of the state. And so that language of the second coming kind of fell away made different appearances here and there, but it was really in the 17th and 18th century in the age of enlightenment when the church began to believe that human beings could make enough progress to make the world right themselves. It was a time of great hope, a time of intellectual growth. Surely human beings would learn and would make progress so that suffering would be no more. And so even more talk of the second coming fell away. But the problem with both trusting in the state and trusting in humanity is that both are filled with sin. Both the state and human beings who are the state, we're all filled with sin. And if you have taken a look around the world, you know that most, if not all, of the devastation of the world is because of human sin. All of those things that are so difficult to grapple with, racism, oppression, poverty, addiction, all of those things that seem to be with us forever are at their root cause a sinful humanity. And so that's why I hang on to the promise of the second coming every day because it gives me hope that those things that seem insurmountable will someday be brought under God's reign too. That gorgeous anthem is a spiritual that was first sung by our enslaved African brothers and sisters as they labored under oppression. And that chorus, don't get weary, it means don't lose hope. Don't lose hope that the darkness of this time will be forever. Don't lose hope that this is all there is. We have the promise of Jesus Christ who came and will come again to set the world to rights. We have that hope. And friends, if you have that hope and you don't grow weary then you keep working to live out the Christian faith as best you can. This past week when I picked up the newspaper and I read where Vladimir Putin has been instructing out in the open Russian forces to steal children from the Ukraine and take them back to Russia. Steal them, children who have parents who love and care for them and just send them back to Russia, even infants, That's when my soul cries out, how long, Lord God, is this darkness going to be forever? And the promise comes, Jesus Christ came into the world and will come again. When we look into the face 
of the suffering of humanity, when we see more police brutality or all of those things, even the pain in our own families, when we see them and we think it will never end, we have hope because we believe in the Jesus Christ who came and will come again. All of that apocalyptic language around the second coming is some poor human's attempt to describe the indescribable. But you can listen to this promise. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, not to condemn. And Jesus Christ will come again. And until that day, we don't grow weary. We have hope in our Lord and Savior. And we live out those kingdom goals as best as we can, as long as we can, keeping watch for the goodness of Christ. Amen.